This is the Game Misconduct Podcast with Don LaGreca. And welcome to the Monday edition of Game Misconduct. I am Don LaGreca flying solo today. We hope to get EJ on maybe a little bit later on in the week. Um, just trying to get uh, on the same page with him. There, there, there's a lot to get to, but you know the thing that really is on my mind today certainly is what happened to the Rangers on Saturday against the Edmonton Oilers. And I, I won't say that there's panic. Among the fans, there's certainly panic. But I don't think there's any panic within the organization. But there's a couple of observations. I, I called that game, and sometimes you can see it coming. Team's not playing well, but they have a three-goal lead going to the third against the team they're not as good as. And you say, well, you better be careful. Now, I don't think any of those things were in play on Saturday. Uh, the Rangers are just as good or better than the Edmonton Oilers, who really came in struggling losers of a couple of, in a row. They were only, I think they were actually at 500. I think they were 10, 10, and 0, not even NHL 500. They were 500. And desperate to score goals after getting shut out by the Islanders um, the, the game before. <clears throat> so much so that they did that old gag of, well, let's put Seidel and McDavid together to try to dr- generate some offense. And, and the Rangers did a great job. The combination of Seidel and McDavid had three shots on goal through the first 40 minutes of play. And the Rangers had a 3 nothing lead and felt like they should have had a 5 nothing lead because two goals were taken off the board. There was the Panarin goal that would have been his first in 12 games. Now it's 13 straight without a goal, which we'll get to in a second. On the power play, which we'll also get to in a second, that would have given the Rangers a 2 nothing lead. Taken off the board, and rightly so, by the offside play. Now, a lot of people are asking me on Twitter, even at the game, why was that offside? The puck never went back into the neutral zone. It stayed on the blue line when Trocek went in. Why is that offside? Well, the reason is, is because Panarin never established being in the zone. If he had gone in the zone, then came back and balanced the puck on the blue line, then it would have been onside. But because he had never entered the zone, only got as far as the blue line, Trocek can't be the first person in without the puck, thus offside. Fine. They reviewed it. Hey, stinks, but that's the rule. Can't really complain about it. The one that you can complain about is the goaltender interference, which everybody complains about on what would have been Braden Schneider's first ever goal at Madison Square Garden in his fifth overall that again would have given the Rangers a 2-0 lead. Taken off the board because of the goaltender interference. Did Carpenter touch the skate of the goaltender? Campbell. Yes, he did. Did it affect Campbell getting his leg over to make the save? Now, that's where it becomes debatable, and that's why a lot of Ranger fans are upset. Hey, I'm not going to get into it because it's all in the eye of the beholder. That's taken off the board. However, moments later, two goals in 33 seconds, Rangers have a 3 nothing lead going into the second intermission. So you really can't complain when you've got not a one, not a two, but a three-goal lead going into the third against the team that was struggling offensively and that you were controlling throughout the game. So not only does Edmonton come back to tie the game, they do it without the help of Dreisaitl or McDavid or Pooley-Arvey or Gretzky, or Curry, or Messier. <laughs> it's, you know, it's, it's two goals by Bouchard, who had zero goals coming into the, into the game after having 12 last year, and Holloway's first National Hockey League goal in his 17th game. So they come all the way back to tie the game with guys that you're not really remotely concerned about doing any kind of damage in the third period. 
Now, if you want to complain, there was the roughing on Lafreniere that led to what turned out to be the game-winning goal in the power play by Dreisaitl, and finally a stud emerges and contributes to the victory for the Edmonton Oilers. But Gallant said it after the game, you know, you're in a wrestling position, you're, you're fighting for the puck, took the helmet off, and that's a penalty. And listen, you, you hate to see it called with three minutes to go, in, less than three minutes to go in the game, but stop, all right? Just stop yourself now, okay? Stop with the goaltender interference, stop with the offside, stop with the bogus Lafreniere roughing penalty. You blew a three-goal lead in the third period at home. Can't happen. Impossible to happen. Shouldn't happen. But it happened. And I love Gallant's take after the game. Let's not talk about this, that, or the other thing. Let's talk about the fact that you can't blow a three-goal lead in the third period. I understand Ryan Lindgren didn't play, and he's not going to play tonight against New Jersey. But these are the things you've got to fight and overcome. And the third period has been an Achilles heel for this team all year long. Looked like they were kind of over it, playing well in the third period out west. But they come home, and they cough it up. And, and, And now... Listen, you. We always, we always talk about this. Um, Bill Parcells quote: "You are what your record says you are." But they, they are. They're average. They're ten, eight, and four. They've lost more games than they've won. You, you played twenty-two games and only won ten of them. You know, Shesterkin has to be better. Shesterkin would not have blown a three-goal lead in the third period last year. He would have stood on his head. Not so much this year. You've gone thirteen straight games without a goal from Panarin. Your your power play has looked anemic recently. I mean, it spends a lot of time in the zone. It certainly does that. And if time of possession created goals, then I think the Rangers would have the best power play in the NHL. And the problem is, is that it becomes a catch-22, right? You're trying to get that goal all the games, especially since the Rangers, I guess, what what is it? A half, exactly half of their game is 11 of the 22 they played. They've been tied going into the third period. So all these games are tight. So whenever you get a man advantage, you feel like you got to score. It's a big moment in the game. And what ends up happening because of a few stoppages and offside, you end up playing that first unit for like a minute and 30, minute 45 seconds. And then the second unit comes out with barely any time. So you really can't evaluate the second unit. What I would like to see, possibly, and I know this sounds sacrilege when you consider it's Panarin, it's Sabanajad, it's Kreider who had 52 goals last year, it's Fox who has a Norris Trophy, it's Trocek who you went on and got during the offseason as your first unit. you got to start him, right? Well, maybe not. Not if it's going to struggle. Maybe you get Heedle out there. That, that, that kid line has really been the one positive for the Rangers over the last couple of weeks. So get Heedle out there. You see, you see if you can get um, Truba's shot. I mean, Truba's got a true shot. Fox doesn't. Or maybe you have to think about maybe does is, is Fox really the best guy to be there on your number one power play unit? Considering, listen, he's a great player. But he, do, he doesn't have a shot you're really worried about at the point. He distributes the puck well, but what ends up becoming a habit is there's Fox at the top of the zone, passes to Panarin, Panarin's at the wall, cross-iced to Zabanajad for the one-timer, hoping for a deflection from Kreider. Sometimes Panarin takes the shot. Fox isn't taking any shots. So it becomes a relatively easy penalty kill to defend. I'm no expert. I didn't play, but watching it enough, listening to the analysts, listening to Dave Maloney, if I don't have to worry about Fox's shot, well, then I can just make sure that I've got guys on Panarin and I've got guys on Zabanajad and I've got guys on Kreider. And now that I don't have to worry about Fox's shot, then it becomes kind of an even strength situation because I've got the four defenders to be able to take care of the other four players. 
All right, I, I, I've got I've got Trocheck on the slot. I've got down low Kreider, and at the wings, I've got Panarin and Zabanajad covered. But if I got Truba there, now can Truba does Truba have the vision of Fox? Does Truba have uh, the the moxie of Fox? Does he have a, you know, no? But he's good enough to be on a power play in a second unit, and he's got a shot that you kind of have to defend. Now, again, I don't know if that's anything that's on the table. That's just Don Lagreca's observation. But I'd like to see more of that second unit. And with the fits and starts that happen sometimes on the power play, ends up these guys are out there almost sometimes for the full two minutes, and that second unit never gets a look. And I, I, and I think Heedle's starting to play better. Um, I, you know, Lafreniere, you're getting the kids, Kako, that kid line's playing well, get them on the power play, and, and you kind of go from there. So we'll see if there's going to be any changes. Tonight they take on a devil team that, oh, by the way, has won 15 of 16. Their only loss came last Wednesday against Toronto, and boy, was that an ugly scene. Three goals taken off the board uh, because of review, and the fans were throwing things on the ice. Devils eventually score, but not enough. They lose 2-1. They come right back uh, the next couple of nights, and back-to-back nights beat Buffalo and Washington, and boy, are the Capitals in a lot of trouble. Um, So that's what you're looking at for the Rangers tonight to take on a really good Devils team. And then you've got some winnable games coming up. you got a home-and-home against Ottawa. I'll be on the call Wednesday from Ottawa for that one. Friday against Ottawa. Saturday against Chicago. So if the Rangers can kind of have this uplifting victory tonight against New Jersey and then three winnable games coming up to close out the week, they might be able to kind of stem the tide here. What I don't get is a lot of the fans getting on Gallant. And I know we've got a kind of disposable sports philosophy now right where let's get rid of our starting quarterback let's get rid of our head coach let's get rid of our general manager Gerard Gallant five minutes ago had this team up two games to none in the conference final against Tampa and now after losing the four games in the conference final and only winning 10 of his first 22 he's got to be out the door Stop it. We had the same conversation with David Quinn. Now you're starting to see that maybe these players are the ones that you got to blame more so than the coach. Is Gallant maybe too positive for you? You know, uh, would you want him to rip into the team? Hey, that's not the way he operates, and I think the way he operates is pretty good. It was good enough to take an expansion team to the Stanley Cup final a few years ago, and it was good enough to take this team within a whisker of a Stanley Cup final. I'm not going to sit there and blame the coach. Um, you try to tweak some things. You got a backup goaltender right now that can't win, and he can't stop the puck. They lost that game against the Ducks, the final game of the road trip. It was on him. Rangers doubled the Ducks on shots. All right, the power play struggled. We've already talked about that. Halak's going to make a stop. He hasn't won a game as a backup goaltender. And what I don't want to hear is this well, he hasn't played much. Well, how much do you expect to play when you're backing up a Vezna, Vezna Trophy winner? He's played six of the first 22. He's on pace for north of 20 starts. That's what a backup goaltender does. So if you need more work, then you're not a backup goaltender. Call up Louis Domingue. So there are some situations right now to discuss with the New York Rangers. So I, I, I thought we would get that out of the way. You got to start to think as we get deeper into the season that the Seattle Kraken are for real, okay? They've won five in a row. They're in second place in the Pacific Division. And with the Vegas Golden Knights calming down just a bit, they've lost a couple in a row, 500 over their last 10. They sit just four points back of Vegas with two games in hand. And with 21 games played, it's starting to happen here. Now, it's hard to put a finger on why is a Martin Jones 
Is it their defensive style? Or is it kind of like, hey, it's all hands on deck, right? Like everybody seems to contribute. But I will say, calling the Ranger um, Seattle game a couple of weeks ago and watching them a little bit here down the stretch, uh, Matty Beniers is legit. He was the first um, overall pick or first pick for Seattle back in 2021. So I'm, I'm guessing that was their first ever pick. He's getting a lot of ice time. He's all over. He's got seven goals. It's not like it's that eye-popping. But the kid can play. Um, he can play special teams. He's got a heck of a shot. He can dangle. So now you've added some skill to what was a team that didn't have a ton of it. But it's starting really to come together, and it's great. I mean, it's a great atmosphere there in Seattle. And they're on the road now, but five in a row, 8-1-1 one one in their last 10. And they seem like they're a legit playoff team. So it's not going to get the headlines and, and the great stories and the E60s and 30 for 30s and all that because it's in their second year. But they look eerily similar to the way Vegas did in their first. And they took care of their growing pains. They went out and made some transactions. And they don't seem to have a lot of, a lot of holes. And what it is a wide-open Pacific division kind of tells you that this is going to be a playoff team. And if Edmonton and Calgary are going to kind of just be average – you know, and in Nashville, they just had a couple of games postponed, so they're kind of a little bit behind the eight ball as far as only playing 20 games because that water main break at their uh, uh, arena. You know, Nashville, Minnesota, Calgary, playoff teams from last year, all on the outside looking in. We talked about this a lot in the East. That can slide a Seattle into position. That could slide a Winnipeg, who put up a touchdown last night in Chicago against the Blackhawks and have only played 20 games themselves couple of wins in a row, seven of their last ten. So teams like Winnipeg, teams like Seattle, non-playoff teams from last year kind of slide in there. And, and, and listen, I think Edmonton's going to be okay because they've got two of the best players in the league, and I do like their goaltending more so than I have in years past, although Campbell has not had a great year. He's got a save percentage of under 900, goal against average too high. It's in the threes. But I think Edmonton's okay. Calgary, I don't know, Minnesota, I don't know. Just when I think they're starting to gain some traction, they fall back. Um, Nashville, again, if they're not getting the goaltending, not sure they're going to have any kind of chance of making the playoffs. So Soros has been a little bit better. So And Dallas looks legit pretty much as well. Got a lot of young kids playing for them. This Addison has been very good for them. Johnston has been good as well. So Dallas in first place. I'm telling you, I'm just having a ball with this regular season. I mean, Boston has just been unbelievable so far to start the season. New Jersey, it's just been incredible what they've been able to do. I'm going to get a chance to see them live for the first time this year over at the Garden against the Rangers. Looking forward to that. Um, Carolina, Rangers, Pittsburgh, Florida, all teams that just seem not to really have been able to get it back. Washington, um, I, I think they're I, I think they legit non-playoff team. I think Florida and the Rangers will kind of get things back going again, but uh, it has just been a really, really interesting start to the season, and I'm really looking forward to um, seeing this uh, continue to go because I think it's going to be a really fun, exciting season, and the teams that make the playoffs are certainly going to earn it. Uh, we talked about this a couple of weeks ago when he was in Toronto, but we lost Borea Selming a, a few days ago to a- ALS and uh, just a sad, sad story of what he was going through. And we talked about it on the podcast with EJ a couple of weeks ago when he was in Toronto, literally being held up by Daryl Sittler and Matt Sundin. 
and he lost his battle just a few days after that. So thoughts and prayers go out to one of the great defensemen in this league and one of the great Toronto Maple Leafs, Boria Selmick. All right, games tonight. We mentioned the Devils and the Rangers from Madison Square Garden. Um, Sabres got to do away with those white uh, pants and the white jerseys. I guess that's their reverse retro. Not good. Not good. And they're also not good. Three games under 500 going against Tampa. That's starting to warm up. Leafs and the Red Wings. are Is Detroit legit? You know, we're going to see. They're third place in the Atlantic Division right now. They've won four straight games going up against the Toronto team that's starting to get their sea legs just a little bit. Vegas and Columbus against the Blue Jackets. Good time for Vegas to have their two-game losing streak come to an end. The up-and-down St. Louis Blues hosting the first-place Dallas Stars. Uh, Panthers, they will have a chance to be in Edmonton to take on the Oilers. And Oilers ended up having that three-game Eastern swing against the Devils, the Islanders, and the Rangers. They just got the two points, and that was the two points that they um, were able to get. Um, against the uh, New York Rangers coming back from the three-goal uh, deficit in the uh, third period. So we'll see what the Oilers can do as they're a game above 500. And again, Florida looks a lot like, as I said, the Rangers and the Penguins, just very, very average. But there is still plenty of time left here in the season. All right, let's get back uh, to your tweets at Don LaGreca. Hashtag game misconduct. I know a lot of people want to talk about some of the stuff over the weekend. I'm sure the Rangers will be a hot topic as well, including Joe says, hey, Don LaGreca, we have a growing amount of angry fans at Gallant. While I question some moves, lack of power play time for the kids, issues lie with veterans and five on five, and the guys having these issues had them under uh, Quinn too. Maybe that's where the finger should point as well. And that's what I mentioned before. I mean, sometimes it's on the players, right? But we're seeing a lot of the same problems last year. Lack of ability on five-on-five, on five, inconsistency on the power play, inconsistency overall that may have been bailed out by just the unbelievable play of Igor Shosturkin. And now Shosturkin has looked human, still good, but human. And maybe they're not... Uh, they're not able to mask the problems because the goaltending hasn't been unbelievable like it was um, just last year. Chris says, I Don, another season and another 10-game losing streak for the Flyers with Fletcher's admission last year of the lack of high-end talent and the poor cap management is a front office shakeup needed and are us fans looking for a long-term fix. You are looking at a long-term fix. That's the only reason why John Tortorella made sense is the hire. John Tortorella is a guy that you bring in when you think your team needs a coach away from winning a championship. And then when the championship's not in sight, you let him go. That's what happened to him in Vancouver. That's what happened to him with the Rangers when they got bounced in the second round by Boston in 2013. He was out. Same in Tampa when things kind of ran dry there. When you bring in a coach... That's that for a team that doesn't have a ton of talent and they're transitioning away from the talent they had, and they've also had a ton of injuries too. Uh, you're you're looking at you know John Tortorella is not a uh, not a guy that is going to be babysitting kids. He's a guy that's going to want to win. So I assume because of the money that they had offered uh, Barry Trotz that he turned down, it was like I we want a guy that's going to be here for a long time to see this through. Um, and there's going to be some more growing pains. Now, as far as making any changes, you've, you've already made a ton of changes. Um, so I don't know if anybody's going to be making any you know changes to the general manager position, and it'd be silly to fire the head coach. It's not his fault, but it's going to take some time. 
You know, you uh, Giroux is gone. Voracek is gone. Gostaspair is gone. You know, you, you did what you could with the goaltending with Corey Hart, and now he's kind of come back down to earth, and, and the team has come crashing down. There's just not a lot of talent there, and it's going to take time to acquire said talent. And the way you do that is, is you get high draft picks, which they're expected to get this year, utilize them, make good trades, and I'm assuming that the talent that they do have in the Van Riemsdyks and the um, Coutures, uh, the Couturiers of the world, these are guys that are eventually going to get dealt away. Um, but it's going to take time. It really is. So, Chris, buckle in. I know you've been a f- fan of this podcast for a long time, and you listen to it, and you're a fan of the Flyers. I, I, I really don't see how uh, that's going to change really anytime soon. David said, with the Pacific so wide open, do you think the Kraken will hang on for their first ever playoff berth? Their balance scoring is impressive. Yeah, they will. Because, all right, the threat is real with with the teams that could still overtake them in the Pacific. I, I, I watch the Kings. Uh, the, the Kings are okay. They're not great. Kopitar is getting older. Uh, their goaltending, you know, Quick's getting older. Peterson's been fine. Uh, but, you know, Drew Doughty is not what he used to be. Um, they, they, they're they a nice team. They're not a great team. You know, St. Louis, way too inconsistent. Calgary certainly suffering from the losses they had during the offseason. Um, so uh, when you look at the threats in the Western Conference, but let's be specific to the Pacific, right? Kings, Oilers, Flames, that's it. Well, those are the three teams that could overtake them, um, and they and they've got the number two seed. So it's and I think the Kings would fall out before the Seattle does. Do I think Seattle's a playoff team? Yes. Right now they're in second place in the Pacific, and they're seven points clear of the two wild card teams, Edmonton and St. Louis. So I believe Seattle's a playoff team, and that that is saying something. The West and the West is wide open because clearly, you know, because you you look at the East, right? Boston's legit. We'll see if New Jersey's legit, but they're clearly a playoff team. Tampa has proven what they've been able to do in years past. Same with Toronto in the regular season. You've got newbies like Detroit, uh, but you know, uh, Carolina is going to be a good team. But we look out west, right? Dallas, are they a cup contender? Winnipeg, Colorado certainly is. Vegas has played like it, but that's it. That's really it. You know, so uh, I don't think there's a ton of teams in the West. I think the Pacific is wide open. The West is wide open. So there is going to be an avenue for Seattle, be it through the Pacific Division or the wild card. I think uh, Hackstall and um, Francis have done a great job there in Seattle, and I think they will make the playoffs. Not bad. It Again, won't get the coverage because it'll be in year two, and we'll see what they do in the playoffs. Vegas went all the way to the Stanley Cup final, but it really tells you that uh, if you are smart with the way that you can build expansion teams now, you don't have to sit there for a decade hoping to eventually finish above 500, that you can compete immediately. It was a slow burn, very patient last year. And now it looks like they're ready to compete. And so far, so good at the quarter pole for the Seattle Kraken. All right, we'll be back with you again on um, on uh, Wednesday. Now, I'm going to keep you updated because things get a little dicey. I'm going to be in Ottawa. So it means I'm going to be doing it from the road. So try to get everything in place. I got the morning skate, go back to the hotel, come back. There's a lot. I got to do the case show. I'm always a little dubious on how it's all going to work itself out when I'm on the road. So if for any reason Wednesday turns out to be an issue... I will let you know ahead of time so you're not wasting your time trying to look and see if it's been updated or not. And if I don't do it Wednesday, I'll definitely have it on Thursday because we'll be back in the studio Thursday. Then Friday, I'll be able to do it from the garden. 
Um, I have my bearings a little bit better when I'm in New York as far as the road's concerned. But Ottawa's a very I, – I, I strongly suggest that you check out the city because it's a lot like Washington, D.C. It's the Canadian capital, parliament's there. It's a lot – but it has nothing to do with the Ottawa Senators because they're, they're like a half hour out of town, 40 minutes out of town. So you're never really in Ottawa when you go there. Um, basically, when I go to Ottawa, I, I land at the airport. I go to the Brook Street, which is the one fancy hotel they have, which is in Canada. I, I'm there, and then I go to the arena. And the arena is also not within walking distance. you got to drive. So all you see when you're in Ottawa is the airport, the hotel, the arena, then back to the airport, and you go home. So... Uh, I'm not going to say it's any kind of a destination other than somebody that wants to check off the boxes of going to every arena in the National Hockey League. The arena itself is fine. There's nothing special about that either. Um, But it's always nice to travel with the Rangers, and it'll be fun to go out to Ottawa uh, to check out um, some of the things that they're doing there. They had a big win last night in overtime over the Kings. Um, So Giroux is playing there. Dabrinkit's playing there. They're supposed to be better, and they haven't been. And uh, we'll see if DJ Smith can survive. Uh, but uh, always fun to see him. Cam Talbot as well between the pipes, old former Ranger. Uh, looking forward to seeing him as well. So I'll be out there on Wednesday. So if I can't do the podcast, I will try to let you know as soon as possible. You want to get in touch with me? The best way to do that always is at Don LaGreca, hashtag game misconduct. We will talk to you again coming up hopefully on Wednesday. This was the Monday edition of Game Misconduct. This is the Game Misconduct Podcast with Don LaGreca.